1: To have faith in God is not a stagnant state, it's a journey. As believers, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as we walk the Believer's Journey. Aloha, and welcome again to the Believer's Journey. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. I think we're going to have a remarkable program Uh, I have a good friend uh, I haven't seen in a long time, uh, Greg McClanahan, and his wife is not here, Michelle, but uh, you'll really enjoy this. We're going to talk about reaching the lost wherever they are, but we're going to talk about their ministry and uh, um, Harvest Evangelistic Association, and I'm all tongue-tied today. But before we start, I want to uh, let everybody know that uh, if you're watching, if you haven't subscribed to our program, I'd uh, really like it if you go ahead and subscribe. It'll get you to our program easier if you're looking for us. Um, I want to thank our sponsors and those who donate to our uh, ministry and pray for us and and share our program all over. We're reaching the world. Um, I mentioned last week, it was interesting, we got uh, somebody writing me from Cameroon, Mexico. I'm in mean, Mexico, Africa. Um, my mind is on Mexico because today is going to be about Mexico, a lot of it, but uh, in Africa. So I'm kind of uh, stoked with some of the people that are writing me, talking to me, Pakistan, India. It's just pretty cool. So uh, with all your prayers and all your sharing and all your support, we've reached uh, quite a bit of people worldwide. Well, Greg uh, is is my guest. Say hello.
0: Well, hello. (laughs) Thank you for having
1: me. Oh, pleasure. It's been three years we've been trying to get together here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You've been working on me hard. (laughs) So I do most of my preaching out in dirt roads (laughs) and in fields and stuff like that. So you know, to to be in front of all this equipment, everything, it's it makes me nervous yeah
1: and there'll be about 10,000 people watching
0: you too well <laughs> well praise the lord for yeah. that yeah and
1: you actually have that a pretty good sized group that you talk to off and on oh, yeah. <laughs> around the world yeah yeah so um the uh harvest evangelist uh, Evangel- association for I don't know how long you've been around. I was uh, introduced to you years ago, back when I uh, attended CBC. Yeah,
0: yeah. I uh, I was working at General Motors in Oklahoma, and uh, and working in youth ministry there and street evangelism missions at home. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine that, doing missions at home before uh, you do missions outside around the world. So, but um, I was working at General Motors. And, and we had a, uh, a pastor's conference to go to in Florida for the youth ministry we were doing with our church. And I met Robert Emmett on the flight. Uh, he was sitting reading his Bible, and I said, he must be fired up. So I went and sat by him. And, and um, we, we were talking, and, and he invited us to go on their ch- We were already doing evangelism in Mexico while I worked at General Motors. But uh, he invited us to go on the mission trip with, with them uh, here out of San Antonio, uh, on their church's mission trip, and and do the film evangelism that Michelle and I were doing in the dirt roads at night, and so and so that was my connection to to, to Mexico. I mean uh, to San Antonio, but also to you all, Alan and Tom, and uh, we're just so grateful for the the class that you all had there with Tom Ford. He worked for us for 20 years and yeah. in the office but um then as the time went forward one day the lord just said to walk out the door general motors and don't look back and he'd provide and that was 34 years ago
1: so did you start your ministry in chiapas mexico
0: no actually we were like i said we were doing all mm-hmm. kinds of even film evangelism in oklahoma in parks and in housing project communities and different things, wherever we could share the gospel, reaching the lost, like you said, wherever they are, and uh, and then uh, we went with our church on a mission trip down into Mexico, and I took off time from General Motors to do that, and um, and the Lord just began to move in in my heart, and uh, over the period of the next uh, few months and, and six months or so. Um, and and we began to go back. Every time I could uh, persuade them to give me time off work at General Motors, the last year I worked there, they gave me 12 weeks off, Alan, 12 different weeks at different times uh, to be in Mexico preaching the gospel. And, and uh, until that day when the Lord said, walk out the door in two weeks, uh, that would have been July 1, 1989, and uh, two weeks later with our whole family saying, you're crazy, all the relatives. Me, what are you doing? All of my friends saying, what are you doing? That's crazy. And everybody was against it. And um, and my own boss was trying to get me to not do it. And, and uh, I, he said, what are you going to do if this doesn't work out? I said, it, we're, we're, it's going to work out. The Lord's doing it. And so two weeks later, I walked out the door. We sold everything we had. And, and I do want to throw this in. We met with the only person that we knew that was involved in missions. It was a career missionary, a friend of ours we had known for some years, that retired. And I, I said, Michelle, I bet he knows what we should do. I said, let's go. And and and, and so it already passed one week. We had one more week, Alan, and, and we were walking out the door of of the job and Michelle and her job as well. And we went and sat with uh, with him in his home. And I said, what do you do? And he said, first, you're not leaving General Motors. He said, you have to stay one year and you have to travel around and preach in about a 100 different churches, sharing your vision and what the Lord's called you to do, and then raise all the support you can. And he said, and he said this, he said, and and while you're there, he said, you better pin them down in their office before you leave. They'll forget you when you go out the door and ask them if they're going to support you monthly. And he said, then when you do that for one year, then you can go and start, uh, continue doing that another year until you finish off what you need, then you quit your job, then you leave. I said, but how can I do that when God said to walk out the door, we have one more week, and he said, don't look back, and he'd provide. And he shook his finger at me, and he said, son, you're never going to make it, and Two weeks later, I walked out the door. We sold everything we had in two weeks, and we hit the road with everything we had with us to take with us in a borrowed pickup truck. Our, our pickup truck we were going to take was, was really wore out, and a friend of mine had a new one. He said, I want you to take mine and borrow it. So, so anyway, uh, so that's how it happened. It's been 44 years I'm sorry, it's been 34 years (laughs) since I walked out the door of General Motors. 34 years we've been doing this, and the Lord's done an an incredible, amazing job of providing.
1: So um, I'm really familiar. I I didn't realize, actually, even all these years, I didn't realize how big your ministry has grown. Now, the last thing I remember is you... uh, going into cuba that was a big thing
0: yes in we we started working in cuba and and we ran into some complications after just a few years in that and um and so that's been on hold and uh but we also uh have full-time people in the congo and the congo's in a terrible terrible mess right now it's uh, our, our full-time uh, film evangelism team leader there—he uh, sends us horrible, horrible pictures all the time. Things that we can't publicize at all. But uh, but uh, the the whole country is just in in turmoil, collapsing. And and uh, but but yet for him to go out and still preach the gospel, like a lot of the guys around the world do, uh, in those kind of situations, it's just amazing. But uh, the Congo, Uganda, the Philippines, uh, Argentina, and of course, in in a lot of places in Mexico, with our graduate students from our School of Frontline Missions uh, that are out, you know, that have already graduated and and uh, preaching the gospel. I believe uh, I could be wrong, but I believe that last year they preached the gospel to, uh, among the graduates to uh, to. Sixty-four thousand people last year. So, wow. the Lord's been good.
1: So I'm really familiar. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about. I want to read off. There's so many of them. The ministries your your uh, what we we'll call it harvest uh, does. I mean, we you have leadership conferences, which actually, if I'm correct, me if I'm wrong, you train pastors mm-hmm. and you teach them to be pastors basically yeah. in their own country
0: yeah and robert emmett is the main person that comes and and preaches in those and and uh we've had uh pastor ed newton has been with us and and other pastors uh that we know out of oklahoma and just different ones that have come and and, uh, and and taught in those conferences, although we're a, a, we're a fully a front line evangelistic missions ministry, we say with a passion. We also uh, realize how important it is that we're helping to bring those pastors along, and uh, put into their hands resources like the Kingdom Kids Christmas and VBS of a lifetime for thirty thousand children. We supply all that for the pastors, tools in their hands. And so in, in those times, uh, we're working with them on reaching their communities, but we also like to bring in from time to time. Um, Robert Emmett has is is been an incredible um, tool in the hand of God there with us, um, preaching to pastors regarding their families, regarding the second coming of Jesus, regarding organizing church ministry and leadership. Uh, it's just been a great blessing there as well, too. But, but you know, if we're, if we're going to impact the nations for generations, then uh, then the, the reason that our center, our administration of everything we do, Alan, is based down there in southern Mexico in the heart of the mountains is because the Lord just put it on our heart to establish everything we do in the field. And our whole staff works in the center down there, mm-hmm. but we have over a thousand different pastors in our database that work with us in different parts of the ministry, through the conferences, through the outreaches, through the school of missions, um, and and many other things. So, you
1: also um, you have well, you just mentioned a K- Kingdom Kids Christmas. I'm real familiar with that, um, and I'm going to show our audience. There's a uh, backpack that is if you don't know what I said you'll recognize the backpack yeah. this backpack is famous <laughs> you if you go to the website if you, you actually go to our website um, and you click on the guests and there's a the little logo there you can click on it goes directly to um, Greg's website or if you go to their website direct, You can see all the different ministries, but you can see. Can can I see that? Uh You can actually see Greg and his wife, and maybe some others standing there, and a wall of 20,000 of these, just from floor to wall, all behind them, that they're going to be handing out to 20,000 kids.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, Alan, this uh, originally, this says, uh, what we would say is, Jesus loves me. But in Spanish, it's, just, it's Christ loves me, the way they say it. But this right here was about half that big. And then one year, we were driving through the mountains on a dirt road, and I saw this man going down the road walking and uh, in a remote mountain community, He had one of these on his shoulder, and he had a saw and a hammer and stuff sticking out of it, and... and I looked at that and I thought, so I got back to the office. I, said, I talked to Idalia, and she's the one who worked on this. I said, Idalia, I want, if their dads are going to take their backpacks from them and use them, that's fine. I said, but I want that to be twice as big so that that way when they're walking down the road, they're going, Jesus loves me. <laughs> and so that's why we made that twice as big. Out. That
1: is really, really cool. Really so. cool. So, yeah, this really. Um, And
0: and, and the things you put in here are school supplies. A lot of school supplies. Okay. Uh, I think you put snacks in there. uh cookies, candy. Mm -hmm. We've had to reduce back uh, pretty much each year for some years now. We've had to reduce what we put in it. We used to put uh, four pencils in every bag. That would be 80,000 pencils. Well, now we're putting 20,000. Uh, Three notebooks, 60,000 notebooks, uh, a big one and then two half-size that the government likes the students to get, uh, the the government of Mexico. Uh, We've reduced that uh, from the 60,000 to to just uh, 40,000 and now down to 20,000 this year, Uh, especially since covid it's, it's been still very ten
1: dollars to fill a
0: bag. Uh, ten dollars if it's fully funded, but it hadn't been fully funded in some years, and okay. so we keep cutting, 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 and yeah. prices going up. The peso exchange rate going down. Yeah, all of that affects everything, and and, uh, and especially since COVID. Last year, we we actually only had half of the backpack sponsored last year, mm-hmm. and and it's been a a, a, a a weight on the entire ministry. Everything. So,
1: what I want to say about these backpacks that I think is so cool, because um, we've been really involved in the, in this program years ago, and um, they literally go down and everybody packs all these backpacks, but they also train the pastors uh, to teach them how. To teach the children and people how to use. And the parents, yeah. And the parents, everything, how to use everything in the backpack. And I think that's really cool. They don't just hand them out and say, you know, God bless you, goodbye. <laughs> you're a, lot, you're, a lot of what you do is a lot about training. Yeah, And I love that about your organization.
0: And, and a, a lot of people look at, you, you know, they, they say, you, you're a children's ministry guy. I say, no, we're not a children's ministry guy. <laughs> we we preach the gospel to the entire family. and We say we plant churches one family at a time. And so, for example, last year's uh, Kingdom Kids Christmas Backpack Project, Alan, um, last year the attendance was over 50,000 people in in 517 different locations. So just imagine the biggest football stadium in America and us having the ability to f- use half of it and fill it up and preach the gospel. Now, of of those 52,000, over 14,000 people surrendered their lives to Jesus. Now, people will say... But that's a lot of kids. How do you know they mean it? Well, we we just pray for you know that that's between them and the Lord, and and we work with their pastors to get them plugged in, and and they work hard at getting them to other events to keep them coming after. But of those that responded, surrendered their lives to Jesus, Alan, of those um, three thousand one hundred and six of those. Were moms, dads, grandmas and grandpa's aunts and uncles wow. three thousand one hundred and six and sixty five new churches were planted through this project last year,
1: yeah, so you guys do a Bible a vacation Bible school yeah. and from what I understand you reach about it was like forty thousand kids or more, and then you have the adults which may be up to one hundred and fifty thousand total at one time
0: yeah the 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 pre-covid the attendance of the vbs of a lifetime Mm -hmm. pre-covid was running upwards near two hundred thousand people so again fill the football stadium two times (laughs) what an incredible opportunity to preach the gospel now these numbers you know uh i I had the report i was sharing with somebody the other day we have and i showed it to him when i pulled it out i said you want to know how the vbs of a lifetime was i said here's every single place it was held they have what we call a folio number so they're registered with that number they have to come back in the same with the backpack project they have to return uh a, a, after it's over and all that we set uh, a week aside where they come back to our center and they go through a debriefing every pastor if they don't go through that they can't receive it the next year but anyway, so they come back in and go through the debriefings, and, and we pick their brain. We want it to be better every year. But the, the attendance of that is huge. Uh, and again, it's another outreach to invite the entire family. And, uh, but uh, uh, since COVID, it's been around about 150,000, a little less than that, just a little bit. Uh, but the amount of people, the amount of parents and and grandmas and grandpas, and, and I don't want to minimize the children. I have friends that were saved when they're five years old that tell me they knew what they were doing, and they're walking with God with all their heart today. But but those outreaches are tools that we get. A, we supply everything. We supply the cribs. We supply... Uh, I think we calculated it was a, a million and seven hundred and eighty thousand different individual pieces that make up that vacation Bible school of a lifetime. If you count the glue and then the glitter on the glue and all, um, and, and it's just an incredible opportunity for us to put in their hands uh, the tools to, to that they, they come to our conferences and they say, "Brother Greg, we want you to come to." To Tapachula, Mexico. We want to get all the churches together and we'll use the bull arena and you can preach the gospel. And and I tell him, I, I say, you know what? Listen, so many people over the years have asked us if we would do that. And I said, if we were doing that, we could do some of those each year. I said, but if we can reproduce through you all, that's why we do all this for you pastors. We get you all in here, we get you together, and and we reproduce. And that's been the call of God on Michelle and I's lives from when we were personally doing all the evangelism in the streets and sleeping in the back of our truck and on church benches in fields all over Mexico. Uh, we personally were doing the field evangelism. We personally were showing the films, preaching the gospel after. But I, I share with them all the time because we do what we do, Alan. We've been able to reproduce through the native pastors and around the world, too, in different places where we have film teams working, for them to be able to have a passion to reach the lost and and to preach the gospel. And we know, uh, by reports, we know that we've had over 1.6, I'm sorry, 16 million people I hesitate to even share this because someone told me once when I put out numbers like this, I said, Greg, we, we just wonder, you know, how can that be? They don't understand the reproducing, multiply the bread, as one old preacher told me once. And uh, But 16 million people have been in meetings with HEA over the years since we started. And, and, and around 1.6 million have responded to surrender their lives to Jesus because... We focus on reproducing them and, and reproducing ministers yeah. of the gospel.
1: And right now, so you're in four continents, am I right? Here in about eight countries.
0: We are no, no five, five uh, countries. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Mexico, and we're in the Philippines, Argentina, uh, the Congo, Uganda, and I'm sorry, <laughs> we're in the Congo. We're in Uganda. We're in the Philippines. We're in Mexico or in Argentina. No more in um, Cuba. No, that's that's kind of on hold. It's okay. been on hold for quite a while because of just complicated issues that I can't go into. Well, you know, right, Jack. There's probably with, with the government. <laughs> well, no, if safety was why we went or didn't go where we went, we would never go anywhere. But but no, it's just issues with the government and stuff, and you know that have just made it. Made it complicated, and yeah. So,
1: well, still, that's that's pretty, you know, remarkable. You also have uh, not only church planting, but you also have new construction for churches and things like
0: this. Yeah, yeah, and as a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, we were uh, just building a house for a for a family that lived in extreme, extreme. Uh, Extreme poverty you know we've seen a lot we We've stayed in a lot of homes with dirt floors, cooking on wood fires and stuff and but this family, one of our graduates of our school of frontline missions uh, began going into an area and planting churches and and as a matter of fact, Alan, that young man was started planting churches in an area where where we had packed into with a with a youth group from Lubbock Texas Clayton Walker and and some of his guys and and we had packed in for 4 hours in the rain pouring rain to go to this little community this very very small church start and we got there and and they had a little bitty wood mission and we and we, we 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 set everything up in there and we showed the Jesus film so many people were there. We had to bust the boards off the back of the little mission. And they wow. stood in the rain outside, Alan. And 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 I remember filming with my video. I remember filming when they were crucifying Jesus on the cross. The women were weeping, and they were covering their faces. Alan, they'd never seen anything like it. And they didn't have electricity there. They didn't have TV. We brought the generator, carried it in. But they had never seen Jesus crucified. They would never seen any of that. We see it all the time. and and But for them, it was shocking and, and stunning to know that their Jesus, their Creator, who created them, who only ever wanted one thing with all of us, He loves us, and all He ever wanted was for us to love Him back. And that night, seeing how they wept, seeing how they covered their eyes, seeing how they were going like this and looking away, it, it, and and then, here we are years later, and that, that church grew and grew and grew. We went back there over and over, and, and uh, there's roads into there now. And so just a few months ago, we were back in that area because there's roads now, planting a church nearby that one when a, a man that was from that original community told us, he said, I was there when you you all were coming and preaching the gospel. I'm saved because of that. He said, I'm helping Jorge. Jorge was our graduate student that was planting the new church. He said, I'm here helping Jorge to plant this church. Clayton's own son in, it was, came on that mission trip. Clayton had packed in probably 10 years ago to plant the other church in the rain. His son was on this one. So so, so our, our graduate, uh, Jorge? our school was planting that church and uh, he told us of this family that was in his church that lived very very poor and uh, asked us if we would build them a a home those homes are just like wood shacks we would call it a shed they call it a mansion it's it's better than anything they could have dreamed of in in their situation in their place Uh, we We help put uh, sheet metal on new missions, on homes of persecuted believers and things like that. We don't build the church. We try to focus on—we do a lot of different parts of it at different times for different reasons. But we try to focus on the sheet metal for the roof because that's the hardest part for them. For new missions, Mm -hmm. that's what we try to help with. Okay.
1: You also have uh, medical uh, care.
0: That is— something that we did with dr john blackburn Mm -hmm. uh and years ago and and we had medical teams coming real regular back then and and packing back into remote villages where they had no medical care and and uh and dr blackburn um was leading that with us and and just doing a wonderful job he was a dear friend of ours um after he passed away i i believe i put on the website there Um, just a a little deal, you know, talking about him and just saying that 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 was something that we were uh, not doing now because um, of of him passing away. Not that we won't do that. Um, You know, we still help some people with medical situations and issues in remote areas and bring them into the city sometimes to get them medical help, Uh, you know, just case by case. But But medical teams coming like that, uh, we haven't had those coming for a long time.
1: Now, this is something I didn't know you did also, is do you do
0: pri- prison ministries? The prison has been an incredible... <laughs> oh, my gosh, Allie. I'm just sharing with a friend about that the other day. We we started going to the prison uh, over 20 years ago, and they change about every year, sometimes more often, sometimes it might be there a year and a half, two years. They change the directors so they don't... Uh, have issues with the inmates and the directors going on, so uh, some of our guys had planted a new mission in the in the prison, and so the the prison director at the time had said that he would uh, let them have a room in the prison to actually fix it up like the, the the church, and so they told me about it, and so so I got together with our guys, even our secretaries, everybody went. We were all excited. We bought bunches of paint. We were going to paint it and everything. So we go to the prison. We get there, and we're we're there with the the guards, and uh, they let everybody in. But when it came to me, they looked at me and they said, "You're a foreigner. You can't come in this prison." They said, "We're not crazy," and uh, and so the, everybody went in, and I'm just sitting out there by myself, you know, and uh, feeling dejected, you know, like a foreigner, you know. So uh I, I generally never feel like a foreigner there. They make me feel like family, but but anyway, so so then later I said, Hey, is the prison director here? And they said, Yeah, he is and I said, Can I talk to him? And they said, Well, let us see. And they went and talked to him. He said, "Come on in." So I went in his office, and we were there in his office talking. And I just started sharing with him, uh, just story after story of lives changed, radically changed by God. And I finally, I just crying, and I said, "I said, listen, you want the same thing we want. You want them to leave here and never come back, and we want them to leave here and never come back. But what we do?" We'll help make that happen. I said because if you'll let us come in here, we'll start bringing films in here that 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 show them there's a better life. They'll go home and their their kids won't be going without food because they're drinking and everything and not ever home and 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 laying in the ditch and and stuff. And so the 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 Lord will change their life forever. And they'll leave here and they'll go home and they'll be a new dad to their kids. And he just got up and opened the drawer and pulled the keys out and he said, "Come with me." He told the guards to move out of the way and open the door and let me in. And he took me through that whole prison. We went to every part. I said, you have a dental clinic? Yeah, but we don't have drills. We don't have the drills for the dentists. The dentals, dentists come, and but we need the, some of the equipment. I said, we can get that for you. And so we got that donated and things. But we came to the room where they were painting it, and everybody, I walked in. Everybody shocked, and they go, "What happened?" And I just told him, I said, "The prison director brought me in." So we started with him, and, and and I shared with him. They have lockdown at seven o'clock at night. Counted the prisoners six to seven, and lock them down, Alan. And and they're in their cells. We'd showed the uh, film and preached the gospel, and we had all these people in there that were helping us be counselors. So, about 35, 40 men had responded, just pouring down to the front, weeping. And so, the prison director came walking in. It's in the middle of the big basketball court in the middle of all the cells. And so, he came walking in. And I thought, uh oh, because it was 10 o'clock at night. And so I said, Listen, I'm so sorry that they just need people to talk to them and counsel with them and he looked me in the eye and he said, Greg, there's no hour that you can't be in my prison. I couldn't believe it. We the the social worker that's there all the time over the years brought one of the new directors to us a few years back. She said, This is the twenty second different prison director that we've had that you all have been coming and working in the prison with. And uh, she said, "I wanted to bring him here to know y'all. We paint the prison, we paint his office, we paint. And, and when a new director comes, this is crazy. A new director comes, and and I sit in the office with them. And they're like, they they don't know him even the man in the moon. And I'm trying to get him let us in, and 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 they're like, no, no, no. And then I say to him, you know that credenza over here, and in, in your office over here on the wall. They say, yeah. I said. So behind that credenza, there's a safe in the wall, right? And they look at me real funny and go, uh, yeah. I say, I bet you can't open it. And they say, no. And I say, because it's a battery uh, keypad lock. And the battery always goes dead, and the new directors can't open it. They don't know the code. I said, let me borrow your th- 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 thing there. And I pop the, the little plaque of the, of the make of the safe off of it. I said, there's a keyhole right there. You put the key in that hole and uh you've got the key here somewhere. All you gotta do is change the batteries and you can open it. They say, How do you know? I said, Because I bought that safe for you all. We 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 had it put there for you. And uh oh my gosh. And then they just start letting us come and so anyway, <laughs> the Lord's been good. The Lord's we pray for favor all the time. If you work in if you're out there and you work in ministry listen the the greatest thing you could ever do in your church in your ministry in your missions is pray for favor ask god to just rain on you with favor and uh man it's been amazing
1: that's incredible and finally you have a a team a film team evangelism
0: yeah the film team evangelists as i said before we Michelle and I, that's how we began uh, uh, preaching the gospel in Mexico. When we went down with our church the, on that first mission trip we ever went on, uh, I had two weeks off, and uh, they were going to be there one week. And so and so I said, well, uh, can we go ahead and stay the other week? And, and so they said, yeah. And so so we borrowed a copy of the Jesus film. We borrowed an old broken projector. The reel fell off and rolled down the dirt road. Michelle's chasing it, trying to roll it back up, and the movie kept right on going through the projector. Uh, and I remember laying, I, I remember 500 people filled a little dirt patio, Alan, 500 people with, with us just going around announcing in the truck with a speaker. And so many surrendered their lives to Jesus. So many were saved. And, and, and I remember at 2 in the morning, thinking of the people hanging out the windows, thinking of the people that were hanging off the walls and stuff and trying to get where they could see. And I just said, Lord, if you would let us, if you'd let us have that equipment, if you could supply it, that we could supply it to others, Lord, there's no end to what you could do. And that's how harvest started. Michelle and I started doing that trip after trip preaching the gospel, and then when the Lord said leave and go full-time, we knew he wanted us to establish the organization and reproduce others to do that same thing, supply the equipment, put it in their hands. Wow.
1: You've got an incredible ministry. If um, anyone is interested in, in uh, researching, looking up, helping, donating, uh, volunteering time, um, go to their website. Uh, you'll be able to see it on our uh, splash off through the program or you can go to our website again click on it or theirs and their website is really has a lot of information uh, a, a lot of information and a lot of videos but it, i really think this is one of the best ministries i've ever known and uh, so i recommend this. i think that uh, i recommend that you at least look them, look into them pray for them because they do some things that some people just won't do (laughs) you know and if you ever want Greg to speak boy he's like a firebomb he's just on steroids (laughs) he's very calm right now but he's he's really usually up and going and he's just an amazing he and his wife both are
0: amazing people and it's an amazing ministry so Well, one thing that uh, this trip we're doing is uh, Manuel, one of our full-time film team evangelists, um, was attacked not long after he was saved, many years ago. And they cut off his arm right here with a machete, Mm -hmm. cut it clean off. So we got him an artificial arm uh, somewhere here in San Antonio. I don't even remember where. Uh, But i put a watch on it and i gave it to him he he didn't like not having his arm because he said it scared the kids he had to keep it in his pocket all the time because the little kids he said get scared of it him not having an arm and so so we gave him that arm and he's real excited and he could preach and have his arm up and and things and uh M- Manuel went on he still lives in that same area he went on to plant so many new churches um, but that arm is is wore out, and the fingers broke on it and stuff, and and uh, and so I, I had it at, at the men's meeting at your church the other night, Alan, and I, I pulled it out, and I started telling them about, you know, Manuel, and and that you know that we're going to get that repaired while we're here and stuff, and 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 everybody was shocked, and I was, it, it, I, I never thought about you know the uh, how that. Uh, would would appear to people, and you just pull an arm out of a bag, you know. But but uh, we we work in very dangerous areas a lot of times, and so thank you for asking people to pray for us and pray for our 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 team guys and full time guys and all the other ministers out there around the world. And,
1: and, and we've had on this program lots of lots of ministries, ministers and missionaries who. Uh, I go to Moldova a lot, and we have uh, missionaries there, and they go into dangerous situations. Well, during yeah. the when Russia moved into Ukraine, there was a lot mm-hmm. of dangerous situations, and we have a missionary family that we're close to, where um, he got called up into the military, and she had to leave the country with a child, and so it's, you know, it's interesting, but it's um, it is what we need to do.
0: The world's on fire right now. Really, the world's yeah. on fire. And, and, and anybody that can't see uh, what's going on, uh, they don't want to see. The world's on fire, and if there's ever been a time that we need to be out preaching the gospel and, and convincing our own families, our own friends, our own neighbors, I've always said anyone who is any any church that reaches across the street in their own community, by their nature is going to reach around the world. Yeah. And uh so we need to be at it, preaching the gospel. Yeah.
1: Um Well, let's uh, – oh, by the way, I really like your Aloha shirt. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty old and got a lot of
0: holes in it. <laughs> but I like it. Michelle she was showing me to get rid of these shirts that I have. They have holes in them. And I told her, but I like them. They're, you know. You can't see the holes, really. Well, uh, the other day, I was sticking my finger in one of them. It's a big one. I'm trying to find <laughs> it. But anyway, it's in this shirt. But they're comfortable, you know. Just had this one probably for 15, 18 years.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I have mine a lot, but I have so many of them, I interchange them. I must have almost 100 of them, so I just interchange them so often. Anyway, we want to talk about, our topic, we're talking about reaching the lost. And it's uh, reaching lost, like, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And I want to read a couple scriptures. I have I only brought three scriptures to talk about. One of them, uh, actually, there's a second one. I'm going to read it now because it fits you and the things that you talk about to a T. And, and when I think about this scripture, I think about you okay it's in luke 1 37, and it says this for nothing for with god nothing is impossible yeah. i have heard you say that over and over again personally with groups and everything and you are you are the the epitome you are it when it comes to this scripture to me i think of you all the time when i think about that passage
0: well, I, I I want to live that life of, of knowing and expecting that God's going to do great things every day that we walk this earth. Um, someone was mentioning the other day, uh, every day we have is a gift, uh, but then they mentioned but every minute of that day is a gift, and we have to take great care that we're not wasting those minutes that God gave us as a gift away. And, and so I, I'm human. I'm like everybody else. I have, I have times when I, when I allow the, the thought patterns and things of, of how we grew up or this or that or the other or, you know, if, if people made fun of us or didn't or whatever. Um, and, and we allow those things uh, to affect so much of what we feel like we can accomplish. And, and so my way of overcoming that is I, I always like to say that that we should get out of bed every day expecting that God's going to do something powerful. And, and, and that's a battle of the mind. That's a definitely something that every day the enemy would fight so hard to keep us from just understanding and knowing the favor of God is such an incredible gift and blessing. And we have that. If we walk in his presence... His glory is good. Can can I? I I want to share this with you. In General Motors, back when we were doing street ministry work and stuff in Oklahoma, and 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 I just all I wanted to do was walk in the presence of God. People say, "But you got to work too." And I say, "I know. I work, and I work in the presence of God. I got employee of the week five different times for my quarter of the factory in General Motors, and." and uh and they asked me to come and speak about it with all the big big name people that came from Detroit and all the places from General Motors and came together for an audit meeting and they asked me to share about it and I and I went up and and I started to share a few things and then I just I just told them I said listen I, you know I'm telling you what we did what I did what me and my boss did to make things better I was a trainer I had a great job there and I said I'm telling y'all that But I said, but what I'm not telling you is I was the worst employee General Motors ever had. I said, we used to mess up so many cars. We'd take the air off the paint guns. They'd shoot a stream of paint. We'd be fighting over the cars. It'd be a white car, and we'd have red paint splattering on it. I said, I'd leave this place. I'd go out to the convenience store. I'd buy beer, drink all of it I could on the way back in. I mean, I just opened my heart to him, and I said, said, uh, until I met a man of God. Who loved his God with all his heart, and I said he was on his knees cleaning the floors in this factory, and I said he began to talk to me, and he said he said that my wife and I we needed to pray, and we needed to seek the Lord. He would help us in our marriage and things, and and I said, and and one day I went home and I told her I said I don't know what to do. I just I've been crying. I I said. I want to just go in the room and pray. And, and at that moment, she wasn't ready. She wouldn't go. She thought I was crazy. And I went in the room and prayed. And the Lord changed my life forever. In that moment, in that floor, I was crying out saying, God, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know, but you do. And I said, I, I know I deserve to die and go to hell. I said that. I, I felt horrible about my life. and I, But I was saying, but I know. And it was like I was seeing Jesus in my mind. Uh, and and that I was driving the nails in his hands myself. It was just like that. And and that night, my life changed forever. I started going to work. I started caring about my job a lot. I started caring about people. I started talking about Jesus. And and I I didn't even know I'd gotten born again. A preacher told me two weeks later that. (laughs) I went to a church that a friend told us to visit, and the invitation went down for down front and and I was down there and on my knees with him praying, and I said, "Well, I got baptized when I was ten years old, but I told him the story of what just happened two weeks prior, and he said, "Son, you just got wet when you were ten years old so but anyway, God just radically so radically changed my life that that I told him that, and I said, Now I want to be a part of every car that goes off this line." go off this line as though my own grandmother's going to buy it. And I said, it matters, and I care. And I said, but, I said, I've been down here five times for employee of the week, and now I want to give the credit to where it's due. And so I walked away. I went to the back where my boss was, standing by the wall. I ducked my head, and this is hundreds of people in this audit room with all the bigwigs. And everybody's clapping and clapping, and my boss said, listen, Greg, and, and I lifted up my head, and I really thought they were going to be upset, but the Lord just used that moment in such a beautiful way, Alan. They uh, came to me. The plant manager came to me down on the line that day. Uh, Big managers, big supervisors came and began to share their hearts with me and and tell me they appreciated My own boss did, who supports harvest, you know, and uh, it's it's been 34 years, you know, but... uh, But the Lord's been so good. To be able to walk in his presence, to be able to know what he wants us to do moment by moment was all I ever wanted. I just wanted to be able to know, God, what do you want me to do for the next five minutes? To do that, I had to be able to just say, Lord, you're going to do great and powerful things I have to believe that when I open my mouth and speak, I have to believe that today, somebody's watching this today, Alan, that their life is never going to be the same again. That's you. That's you I'm talking to. Your life will never be the same again today. If you just give up and die and stop running from God and say, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. I know you gave your life on the cross for me. I know I should pay that price. But, Lord, help me. I give up and ask him to forgive you of your sins, and he'll give you a new life. He says you'll be a new creature and everything you ever did, ever would be in the past we've been with people who murdered numerous people who got on their knees cried and prayed and gave their lives to jesus we've been so many people in the prison and then they and alan we're out somewhere and some we're in sam's in our city down there and a man working as a manager there and over the cashiers comes up says you don't remember me I said, no, I'm sorry. He goes, I was in the prison. I was a prisoner there, and you guys came and showed a film. You preached the gospel. And he said, I gave my life to Jesus. I said, well, how's it going? The Lord is so good. And and to just release everything to understanding that he will give us favor and that when we speak that he will empower what we say. And by the Holy Spirit, other people's lives around us will be impacted forever yeah that that to me is what that's referring to
1: and it's interesting i i grew up and i never i guess i grew up with a, a grandparents and a parents who always taught me there's really no such thing as can't and i wasn't even a christian yeah. they didn't go to church i didn't know but i had that already in my mind but once i met jesus it was like there is no such thing as can't, <laughs> you know, because the power of God is is above and beyond anything I can comprehend. So I was really, yeah. You know, there's another passage, and this is really where I want to go from. It's in Luke chapter nineteen ten. It says, For the Son of Man uh, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Mm. What is really interesting, you know, because I, I believe and I teach this, that the the foundation of any believer is to become like Jesus.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Number one, just the foundation is it. So if that is it and we need to become like Jesus and Jesus, the Son of Man, has come to seek and to save that which is lost, then that really implicates me to be that which is part of him reaching that which is lost. And I think that's a huge thing, you know, uh, for every believer whatsoever. I mean, we, we teach. What I like about your program and you is the fact that it's not about converting a bunch of people and saying, oh, great, we've got conversions, and we walk away. It's about converting now pastors. We need to teach these people to become disciples. We need to teach them to be learners, to grow in the Lord and become followers. And you have... Been a total example of this in your ministry, which I think is a, is amazing because we don't have a lot of ministries that follow through like yours does. We have a lot of them do a little bit and they go on, and so. But I think um, Harvest is amazing. I think what it does is amazing. Uh, your your obviously it comes from you. You know, God has done amazing. Well, the Lord has
0: surrounded Michelle and I with a a very good group of wonderful leaders that make it all happen.
1: Well, like you mentioned, Robert Emmett talking to pastors about family. Of course, I think Robert Emmett is an amazing example of what it is to be a pastor and raise a family. Mm. I mean, I've gone and spoken to. uh, I went to speak a lot to a lot of missionaries one time about. The fact that you've got to balance your ministry and your family. If you, you're off doing your ministry and you leave your wife alone and children alone, you're going to lose that, and you're called to to balance that out, to minister to them. And, and that's so needed. And so I really think that Robert is one of those few pastors that I know personally that's commendable with that. And so you're right. You've been surrounded by some pretty cool people
0: well our, our staff um they just are are they've been used miraculously by god to do so much and uh, and they just do a, a great job of keeping everything all organized and keeping everything going forward and so that and that helps us to be able to focus on on preaching the gospel and yeah. And you know the verse refers to something. I think it's it's really opens the door to this that all of us have a story to tell. All of us, uh, if we've been born again, then then uh, with our families, with our children, with our grandchildren. Uh, a dear friend of ours, Tony, um, lives outside of San Antonio here, and and I remember Tony came on a mission trip one year with his daughter and. And I was preaching in in a church without a roof on it, just on sunday morning and and Tony stood up. he was uh one person that was saved that morning and uh and Tony began to grow and and walk with the lord and and but uh Tony began his battle with cancer and and over the years it was back and forth but but he began to get really weary, really tired and I went and visit him on one trip back up here and and Alan, I remember sitting with him in his living room, and his wife had passed away some years also prior, and and he just said, "I'm just ready to go, Greg. I'm ready to die. I, I just want to be with Jesus." But there was such a discouragement over him. I knew that wasn't. I knew that was not him and the Lord. I knew that was the flesh wearing him down. I knew that. I knew that. Now we're all going to go sometime. But in, I could tell he was just very depressed, and, and his kids had talked to me about it, too. And, uh, but we were in his kitchen. On his refrigerator door, Alan, he had a list of 60 names. And we're standing there talking, and uh, I'm sitting here looking at this list of names. I said, Tony, what's that? And and you got to understand he he worked at reaching his kids and his grandkids and his nieces nieces and nephews. He had a Bible study in his home every week to get them in. And so these sixty names, I said, "What is this?" He goes, he says, "Well, that's my grandkids, my kids, my nieces, my nephews, and I pray for them." All. I said, "Tony, you don't have time to die." I said, "Look at this," and Tony started laughing, and something snapped in snapped in him that day. And I said, "Tony." You you have a tremendous influence in their lives, and so so I want to say that for grandparents that are out there, uh, it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for our country right now. It just doesn't. A- anybody that really looking at it says, you know, we really are have drifted from the Lord over generations. And, but but grandparents have such a powerful influence i said i said take your grandkids take them by the hand and take them for a walk out in the woods and then just sit with them and look at them and just start telling them how how much you love them and how much you care and but how incredibly important it is that they that, that all the days of their life that they never forget that jesus died on that cross because of them because of their sin and our my, our sin my sin and then just pray over them. Get on your knees with them in the <laughs> woods and pray over I said, they'll never, ever forget that moment. Yeah. Never. Never. No matter what trouble they're in, no matter what things they're doing and not living right, they'll always remember those words that their grandma said, their grandpa said. and and uh, But but we all have the story. A young man came into our home. Um, uh, about 30, about 45 years ago, walked into our home. Uh, he wanted to come over and go out to the clubs and play. he wanted me to go out and hear his his friends and them play music in a bar. And he, I said, come on over. And he came over and and when he came over, I, said, I told him we'll go. But when he came over, I said, I said, let's play a little. So we're playing and I'm playing these songs and I'm changing all the words to be about God. And he, he laid his guitar down. He said, what in the world's happened to you? And I started sharing the gospel with him. I had to be at work at 6.12 in the morning, and I lived way out in the country. At 4 o'clock in the morning, Paul, his name's Paul, uh, he got down on his knees on the floor. He prayed and he gave his life to Jesus, surrendered his life to Jesus in in our living room floor. He took his guitar and he put it in the case. Alan, he laid over it, and he was there praying a little bit. When he's done, I said, Paul, what was that about? He said, I just asked the Lord if I ever use this for anything but to glorify him, that I'd rather him destroy it in the case. Paul calls me probably every three days all the time, telling me all the people he's sharing with and talking to. But one of the key things with Paul is not long ago, he told me he was struggling sharing the gospel. And I said, Paul, just tell him what happened to you. Tell him your story. Tell them how you walked into our house. Tell them what happened. Tell them, I said, this verse is you. I once was blind, but now I see. And just tell them I walked into that house blind, and I walked out, and I could see. All these years since then, Paul, all you've ever done is walked with God and love God. Uh, that's our story. That's, that's, yeah. that's us. Sharing that and in, in helping others to share.
1: Yeah, and I think that as you told that story, it's interesting because I run into so many people think, Well, I don't have a testimony like the alcoholic or the guy from prison or a drug addict. I says, No, that that that's not what the stories are supposed mm-hmm. to be. The story is just supposed to be of you or them or whoever you are. You have your own personal testimony and that's your story. And that everyone, no matter who you are, no matter where it comes from, that's your testimony, and, it, and God will use it.
0: And and, and the, the most important thing of all, I, I just learned this in our school of missions, is that how critically important it is for us to help them understand that sin isn't necessarily the things they're doing, and if they Persuade their friends to to put down the bottle of Jack Daniels because you need to be going to my church, and their friends put down the bottle and they walk in the church and they start feeling well. Hey, lightning didn't strike me. I'm doing pretty good. And then they're singing with you and those, and they begin to feel like something changed. If they don't understand that putting down that bottle isn't being born again. That, that, uh, that we're corrupt to the bone. <laughs> we, we have no hope. And without Jesus giving his life on that cross, Alan, there's no hope. There's no way. So I tell them, sin isn't so much about what they're doing. Tell them, sin is who we are. We, we are sinners to the bone. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I, 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 if I have a moment, I, I tell them about um, John Wayne Gacy. You probably know. Two minutes. The clown. The clown. They had parties with kids and and stuff, and he started bringing them into his home, young boys and stuff, and molest them. And murdering him. It's horrible. And then one escaped and running down the street, and bloody, and, and one of the neighbors found him, brought him in. They called the police. The police came. They tore down his home and ripped it off completely because under the floor he had buried 34 young boys that he had done horrible things to. John Wayne Gacy went to prison. He was in there and uh, convicted, and he was in there. He died in prison. But I tell our students if, if, Someone walked in the door of his cell the night before he died and began to share with him. And it just crushed him and and broke him. And and he realized that, that he was desperately in need of a Savior, that he was without hope, that Jesus died on the cross because of him, his horrid life. Okay. I say, so if he prayed and with all his heart sincerely just died in that floor and, and walked in a new life and then died the next day. So he goes to the, uh, uh, to the gate of heaven, I say, and he's standing there. Where's he going to go? And the students say, real slow, to heaven. I say, so what if Greg, having done all we've done, you're in this school because we built this building, you're here, and the, the miracle of this place that God did, what if all of that and all the people that have been saved and all the people preaching gospel around the world, what if Greg walks up to that door and you take away the blood of Jesus? Where's Greg going to go? And they very slowly just say, to hell. They don't even want to say it. But that—that that probably is the greatest thing I've ever shared with them to help them understand that. Yeah. Well,
1: it's—it's mm. it's been a really wonderful time, amazing mm. time. I'm glad you came. I—I I, uh, I just want to say that you know, we need to realize that we have a world full of people, mm. a world full of people who need Jesus in a world full of people who need to learn more about Jesus. And we all need to learn and know how to become like Jesus. Mm. Um, I so thank you for coming. Uh, If you have time, I really exhort you to go to our website or go to Greg's website, um, Harvest Evangelist Association. Type it in Google if you need to. And just go through that website. Pray for Greg. Pray for Michelle and and their ministry. Um, I want to thank you so much for uh, watching our program. Uh, Do subscribe to us and do pray for us. And everybody, you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey Radio Program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.